imagine you grew up in a very specific environment. You are surrounded by a specific type of people. You speak a very specific language or dialect of a language. You learn a set of beliefs and values that are shared between your family and the people of your group. You share habits, goals, traditions. To you, every single aspect of your environment is normal. Then you seize an opportunity to visit a new environment, but everything here is different. The people are different. The vernacular is different. Everyone shares a set of beliefs that are different to yours. Everyone has different values than you. Your habits and goals don't align with theirs. They may even clash. What you once considered normal, everyone in your new space considers foreign. And boy, oh boy, were you unprepared. This is what society calls a culture shock. It could be blatant or it could be subtle, but I guarantee everyone at some point in their lives experiences this unwelcome transition. So let's talk about it. My name is Janaya Alexandre, and this is Culture Shock. So in the spirit of this first episode, I thought I would share some of the culture shocks I've experienced in my life. And granted, it hasn't been a very long one, Truth be told, I'm about to turn 22, so clearly I've still got a lot of experiences to have, but I think I still have a few stories I could share. I think the first culture shock I had ever, ever experienced in my life was when I moved from New York to Florida. My family is all based in New York, my maternal family, that is. I grew up surrounded by uncles and aunts and cousins and my great-grandmother, my mema, as well as my mother. I was kind of raised by all of them. They all had a hand in shaping who I am today. My family is very much my center and my unit. And so when we had moved from our little nook in Elmont, that's in Nassau County, for any of my Long Islanders out there right in the backyard of Valley Stream, um... My mother had actually moved to Florida before I went to join her. So she went on a vacation with one of her best friends to Florida. And I guess they had a bet, I'm told, that because Florida at the time didn't have a lot of jobs, I think this was right around the 2008-2009 financial crash where everything was like super down and super just... So my mother made a bet that if she gets a job in Florida, she's going to take it and she's going to stay. And lo and behold, she gets a job at a community college that is geared towards getting people in school. It's, I think, a private institution. People pay a lot of money to go. And she was one of the financial advisors. She would basically come in and tell people, you know, this is how we can help you. This is how we can help you get a job. And this is how much it costs. That was what her job was. She wasn't expecting to get that job. But the minute she got it, She realized there was an opportunity for her and I to have a better life. At the time, she was going through a lot of financial distress herself, and she didn't feel like there was really much left for her in New York. So she called my grandmother, and she asked her to keep me for a couple months while she was getting her affairs in order. 
And I remember this. I remember this vividly because I think I was eight or nine at the time. I was going into second grade at my local school. It was right down the street from where my grandmother lived. And I loved it. I had really great classmates. I had known these people since some of them since pre-kindergarten. And I thought this was going to be a beautiful year. I had a wonderful teacher and um, she was wonderful. Everything was just super simple, you know. Uh, the school was a very old building. It's all brick. And most of the chalkboards were <laughs> chalkboards. Um, people laugh at me when I say I remember chalkboards. They're like, you're not young. You're not old enough to remember chalkboards. And I'm like, no, I, I promise you. I went to a school with chalkboards. It was wild. And uh, I had friends and we'd have recess and I would come home. And most of the time um, there was a pickup routine between my aunts. So I would have one aunt who would come and we would kind of just walk back. Sometimes before my mother moved, she would be the one picking me up. And then Thursday and Friday was always my grandmother's day because those were the days she had off from work. She was a nurse. And so I lived for Thursday and Friday. That would be the day we would go after school and we would get food and we would have fun and we would pick up one of my aunts from work. It would just be the best time ever. And I didn't understand why my mother left at the time. I just knew she went to Florida and she wouldn't be back for an extended period of time. I remember, I don't remember the, I, no, I don't remember the day she left. However, I do remember having periodic phone calls with her and she would ask me how school was and we would talk and then she would just, that was just kind of the way it was. And then I just remember my grandmother was my caretaker for a little bit. And then... The time came for me to join her and I guess it was explained to me, although I don't remember that exact conversation, but I do remember I was going to school one day and my teacher knew I was leaving and my grandmother explained like she leaves over the weekend and I remember I stayed with my godmother who lived down the street from my grandmother's house. That's the other thing about this beautiful little nook we had. Everybody was kind of down the street from each other. My mother's old house was around the corner from her own mother's house, which was around the corner from her grandmother's sister's house, which was around the corner from my godmother. And then we'd all meet up at the same church on Sunday. It was just, it was wild. It was beautiful. And um, I stayed at my godmother's house for, I think, a couple days before she took me to the airport. And I was really sad. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I was really sad. For a second grader, for somebody who is eight or nine years old, you know that everything is changing and you don't know what to expect. And I think at that age, it's just you're kind of going with it and you're trying to be, you know, you're trying to be a big girl. But at the same time, you kind of have this weird feeling in the back of your mind like, ugh, nothing's ever going to be the same again. And I kind of don't want it to change. So um, by this time, I rode the plane by myself. I was an unaccompanied minor. Not a big deal. I'd been an unaccompanied minor whenever I would visit my sperm donor. That's what I call him in Florida because he also lived in Florida at the time. And I would visit him over sometimes and I would take the plane all the time. So at that point, that was only two times I'd ever been an unaccompanied minor. This would be the first of many unaccompanied flights in my lifetime. So I land in Florida. My mother had moved to Miramar. That was where she was. No, I'm sorry, not Miramar. We moved to Miramar after we had arrived and settled, but um, we she was living in Pembroke Pines. 
And I got to the airport. I'm looking for my mom. It's like a movie scene. We're running to each other from across the the airport walkway. We embrace. It's beautiful. My mom is like my favorite person in this entire world. Um, and I was just really happy to be reunited with her, even if, you know, everything was different now. But on to what was the most shocking move from New York to Florida, I would say was the weather. As soon as I came out, because I think I got to Florida in November or October. So by then in New York, it would have been really cold <laughs> or it was starting to get cold. Either way, you needed a jacket. And when I stepped out of the airport in my puffer, I just remember getting this slap in the face of like humidity and heat. Like it was so warm. It was, I can't even describe to you. Like I was just like, oh my gosh. So I had to take off my jacket. I was like, oh my gosh, it's hot out here. (laughs) And my mother's like, welcome to Florida. And her then boyfriend was the one driving us. And I'm looking out at the, at the, South Florida skyline and I'm it looks kind of like New York City but everything feels like so much more scattered and spaced out and there were palm trees everywhere fun fact about me absolutely hate palm trees they remind me of that very very big change in my life will never grow one every single time I see them I despise them thank god Central Florida does not have as many palm trees as South Florida because it used to just be ugh, it ugh. So sorry if you like palm trees. I hate them. Can't stand them. Please don't troll me with pictures of them. But yeah, I think that was the biggest culture shock that I'd ever had, not just because of the weather, but also because when I remember, I was coming from a school that I'd been going to for at least three years now. So I remember, you know, all the teachers kind of knew who I was. I would see kids that I saw in church at school. I would see kids that I've seen in different aspects of life, whether it was pre-kindergarten or kindergarten or first grade, or I met them while I was playing with them randomly on the playground. Like I knew most of the faces that I'd seen at school. Going to this new school in Pembroke Pines, first of all, I'm not going to lie to you. This is going to sound crazy, but the school even smelled for it. It smelled so bad. It smelled like moldy. And like the school, I was used to brick buildings. The school had like this weird metal pavilion and it was like beige and it was one story. And it was just like, I was like, is this what, is this what a prison looks like? And everybody wore uniforms. I remember this for a fact because in New York, they didn't have uniforms. And now I was expected to wear polos and, you know, those khaki skirts and pants and stuff like that. And my teacher, I was supposed to call her coach. That was the thing at the school. All the teachers were called coach. I don't know why they were very into the sports theme. Um, and the desks were cold and the, the classroom had windows, but the windows were always closed (laughs) and the kids, you could tell the kids did not want to be there. That was the other thing. Maybe it's my rose-colored glasses, but when I was in New York, like I felt like everybody liked school. School was a nice environment. It was bright. You know, you could hear the sneakers cleek, cleek, like squeak on the on the floors. It was cute. And in Florida, in South Florida, you know, these kids were 
decidedly less enthused to be at school. And I noticed that from the get-go because it affected my mood and I used to love school. And eventually I just was like, oh, I don't want to be here either. Gosh, not only that, but also I would notice a lot of, and I don't think this is even the school in general. I think this is just, I think this is just the kind of environment that you're in. I also noticed there was a very big lack of diversity in my classes. And, you know, obviously there's going to be, every state has their boroughs that are diverse and not diverse. Um, I, in New York, in Elmont, I was surrounded by other Haitian American people. I was surrounded by Indian Americans. I was surrounded by Asians. I was surrounded by a lot of different people. I saw so many different people from so many different ethnic backgrounds. And that was what was normal to me. I remember in my class, I think I was one of three, not even just black people, one of three kids of color in that entire class. And that would be that would just be the thing until I got into like fourth grade. So second and third grade, I was often one of the only kids of color in my class. And it showed because I stuck out like a sore thumb. So I know that, you know, when you think of culture shocks, you think when you move to a different country or when you move to a different just environment that you don't think about these little things that make a big difference in your life. But that was one of the first and one of the biggest culture shocks I had ever experienced because Florida and New York are very different places. Floridians care about different things than New Yorkers and South Floridians and Central Floridians think very differently. Okay. One of the reasons my family moved to Central Florida was because in South Florida, my family felt a very big pressure to keep up with the Joneses because in South Florida, everybody is trying to buy nice things and drive nice cars. And up here in Central Florida, nobody really gives a crap. You know, it's you still see nice cars, but everybody's a little bit more low key. You see houses that have been here for like a good few amount of years and you can tell and everybody kind of just is go with the flow and is with their stuff. So that was a very big culture shock in my life. Um, Another one I would say was definitely going to American church for the first time. Um, As I said, and in case you didn't know, I am Haitian American. My mother was born in Haiti. Both my, both of my parents were born in Haiti and they were brought here to the United States. And my mother actually just became a citizen like two years ago. She was here on asylum before. So growing up, all of my family members were Haitian American <laughs> or well, actually not even American, just Haitian, straight up. The English was not their first language. Um, they went to Haitian church. If they did business, they usually tried to find Haitian people to do their stuff for them. Haitian lawyers, Haitian home contractors, Haitian plumbers. Like they tried really, really hard to make sure their business was given to mostly Haitian people. And so a lot of the times when I would spend time with other black people, they were Haitian people. It wasn't, I think, until I was until I moved to Florida that I found out that there are non-Haitian Black people. I know it sounds crazy, but it was wild. I did not realize. I spent my entire life thinking all Black people spoke Creole. That was that was what I thought. And I was in for a very rude awakening. So the church that my family went to, 
they were split between two churches because my grandmother and her sister were like two fighting peas in a pod. They fought about everything down to the church that they went to. My grandmother liked to go to a church that was a bit more, if you've ever heard of the Pentecostal church, that's kind of what the church was like. You know, if you haven't, it's basically a lot of music, which is really fun, but usually the pastor tends to preach for a pretty long time until he feels the Holy Spirit has left the room. Um, they, they, during his sermon, you're going to find people who decide they're going to get up and they're going to walk or march or I don't even know how to describe it. It's just they're they're walking because they got taken up by the Holy Spirit. It's very normal for people to just break out in tongues. It, that's just the kind of that's what the Pentecostal church is about. It's a it's a, it's a spectacle, but it's a very entertaining spectacle when you are mentally prepared for it. Meanwhile, my grandmother's sister's church, my great aunt's church, I should say, was a little bit more tame. It was still in Creole and French because they in Haiti for a long time, those were the two kind of languages until Haiti got there, got Creole to be the absolute dominant language in the country. So they the other church was uh, you come in and, you know, they sing hymns and there's an organ and the pastor comes up and preaches and there's usually somebody who's translating to English, thank God, because some of us youngins could not understand all of the Creole or French spoken. And it was usually, it would go on for maybe like an hour and 30 minutes and then you sing your last song and maybe they bring out communion, which you can't touch unless you've been baptized. But then again, I... I've never seen anybody get baptized at that church, so I don't even know. And then you leave. And honestly, I kind of appreciated that more. I appreciated the structure because the other church, so I'm, I kid you not, y'all, we would get there at like 7 a.m. for the Bible study and not leave until like 1.30 p.m. And not even because the church is over, but because my grandmother has to go to work and guy is still preaching. I'm telling you, it's a spectacle, but if you're mentally prepared for it, it's a very, very fun spectacle. So when I moved to Florida with my mom, I remember going, we went to, first we went to a church with her new boyfriend. This was, so she had broken up with the boyfriend that she had when she, when she first moved and she had a new boyfriend who would end up being my stepdad and adopted me and now is my dad, dad. Um, so she so he brought us to this African American church, and I say African American to make the distinction between Haitians and African Americans because, like I said, not all Black people in this country speak Creole. I was very surprised and shocked to find this out. So we went to that church for the very first time, and it did feel like a cross between my grandmother's church and my great aunt's church. It was tame and structured like my great aunt's church, but people still got down during the song, the singing and worship portion of, of the service, which was fun. And they had a choir, like a gospel choir and, and, the, and the clergy or whatever they call it, like the bishops, they all wore robes. And it was, it was cool. Like it was, and it was in English. So I was, I was living for it because I, I spoke English most of my life I spoke Creole as a toddler went to school and then forgot it all so at that point um, you can just imagine I'm sitting for three to four hours at a church hearing words I don't understand it's it's not fun um so this church they speak English and I was just I remember going to another and being like so they are they speak English at this church and she's like yeah and I'm like 
interesting. And then we ended up going to a different church. This church was, I don't want to say, I'm going to say it's an American church because, okay, it was mostly white people there, but you did have some Hispanics and you did have some black people. So it was a diverse church, but it was an American church in the sense that there were more skin color diversity. And that one was more structured. I'd never heard some of the songs they were singing before. That was the first time I'd ever, I'd ever heard of the name Hillsong. And I just remember everybody came to church in flip-flops and shorts and t-shirts and sandals and jeans. And I looked at my mother and we're dressed up in like, we're dressed up because <laughs> when we would go to church growing up, I would have to wear like some frilly socks, pinchy shoes, white stockings, a very puffy dress. My grandmother is in a skirt suit and a hat at all times throughout the church. And if your shirt or your hair was short, sometimes I'd see people wearing um, a lace mandilla. Um, I one of It's a lace veil that you usually cover your head with in a place of worship. And... <laughs> I remember coming. And I was like, Mom, Grandma would not like this church. She would be like, Heathens, heretics, you are supposed to dress up for the Lord. Like, I just remember, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is wild. And they actually, the deciding factor of that American church was that they actually had a kids' ministry with content geared towards people my age. And I did not have to just sit next to my mom for the entirety of the service going, Lord have mercy, when is my juice box coming? So that was that was another culture shock I definitely had. Um, and I've had many since then. I've had, oh, the most recent I would say is experiencing eating Mexican food for the first time because I finally after a whole panoramic, got to go and travel. And I went with my family recently to Mexico and we went to Los Cabos. And I was prepared because I had eaten Mexican fusion food. That's usually what you can find here in the States, unless you're somewhere like in Texas or California or out West. Um, in Florida, Mexican, authentic Mexican food is a little bit harder to find. And so most of the time I'm experiencing like burritos and tacos and spicy food that makes you have to go to the bathroom right after. <laughs> and I remember going to Mexico and I was so excited because I had taken Spanish classes for three years. And I was really excited to also experience the cuisine because I love trying new foods. And the, the array of cuisine that I had tried was definitely different than the cuisine that I'd had stateside. I mean, for example, I don't know if you know this or not, and you're probably going to laugh at me, and that's okay. It's You can laugh. Um, <laughs> I did not know that Mexican food... I didn't know that tacos were not considered Mexican food, I should say. Yes, yes, I did not know that. I did not know that tacos and burritos were not Mexican. I went to Mexico and the only place I could get a burrito, and I love burritos, was at the resort restaurant. As soon as we went out into the actual town and we were eating at like the mom and pop shops, no burritos, no Mexicos, no Mexicos, no tacos, lots of ceviche, but no, nothing of the sort could be found. 
Instead, you order usually a platter that has like meat and it comes with rice and beans and a really cool sauce, maybe even some like vegetables like avocado and other things. And what they do is they serve you tortillas on the side. So you can technically make a taco, but it's not a taco. And I wasn't disappointed. I was just very surprised and mentally unprepared. (laughs) Because <laughs> what's a girl gotta do to get a burrito here, y'all? <laughs> to all the Mexican Americans and Mexicans out there, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Chipotle failed me, failed me miserably. Um, so yeah, th- those are some of the culture shocks that I had experienced in my own life, and that's why I started this podcast. I started this podcast with the idea that we all have had times where we grew up with a certain set of ideas about life and we moved to an entirely different environment and we just start kind of like fish out of water and this could happen anywhere this could happen just from moving from one state in the united states or one province to another this could happen if you study abroad this could happen if you are one of those people who goes on dedicated mission trips um this could happen if you happen to become an expat and move to an entirely different country or go across the world. So this happens to anybody at any time. And I, the reason I started this podcast is because I like, I like to experience cultural awareness. And I think cultural awareness is something that we all need in this world, because the better we understand each other, the easier it is to love each other. And I think if we can all agree that sometimes you're just unprepared for the experiences that you're going to have and, you know, you come in with preconceptions that maybe you observe were not accurate and, you know, you accept that and you relinquish them and create new conceptions, I think that's beautiful. And so you're going to hear a lot more of my different cultural experiences and culture shocks. Um, And I'm also really excited because I also have some really cool guests that I will be having in the weeks to come. And I really hope that you stay on this journey with me. And if you have cultural shocks of your own, like, please, by all means, send them in. Slide on into my DMs. I love to hear funny stories. I love to hear crazy stories. I love to hear dramatic stories. I love all the stories. Um, and I hope if you get nothing else from this content, I hope that you get at least some entertainment because that's what we're here for. And I hope you find some friendship. I like to talk to people as if we've known each other for a very long time. So let's be friends. Culture Shock is a Eritagio project. Eritagio is a not-for-profit organization dedicated to spreading cultural awareness one story at a time. If you have a story you'd like to share, like I said, go ahead and slide on into my DMs at sign H-E-R- I-T-A-G-I-O. One more time, that's the at sign, H-E-R-I-T-A-G-I-O. I would love to meet you, and i definitely love to hear your story. Until next time, y'all. Ciao!